Welcome to the latest issue of China's Success, a podcast designed to showcase success stories in China, particularly foreign companies going into China. And there's no greater success story here in Australia than Canva. And we're delighted to have with us Rachel Carruthers, who's the head of internationalization and localization for Canva in around the world. Um, she's actually speaking to us from uh, the west coast of America, but she's normally in Sydney. Um, Rachel, <laughs> it's great to have you on the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, David. Pleasure to be here. Now, as I said, there's no better example of a great success story here in Australia. Canva is one of our leading tech companies. You know, they've raised enormous amounts of capital. They're going global really quickly. And of course, uh, China is a big part of their global expansion. So maybe we could start, Rachel, by asking you a little bit about China and how you found entering the China market uh, and how where China fits into your global domination strategy. <laughs> well, um... When I joined the company in early 2017, it was already on our founders, you know, um, vision really as part of the vision um, to have an incredibly localized product, right? So when I joined, the mission was really to get Canva into um, at least 100 languages. Um, and as we started to unpack that and what, what, what localization meant beyond just UI translation, content translation, uh, really understanding what go to market meant uh, across some of these different key markets, China inevitably became part of the conversation as it does for so many SaaS companies. And we really started to think about probably in, I think, 2018 and then really started execution in, in 2018 into 2019 around what does it mean to have a product live in China? And um, it's, it really started with the need to rebuild the product. Um, it's the first market where we really had to uh, lean into what I call hyper-localization, which is kind of um, the deeper localization of a product for a given market based on cultural expectations, digital behaviors, um, operational needs, things like that. Um, China was kind of our first real use case. And so we needed to rebuild the product, not just because it needed to look and feel different, um, but because we literally had to build it on a different stack uh, because of the technology and internet restrictions that um, you know, occur within China, of course, right? The Great Firewall. So we had to literally recreate canva.com on canva.cn. Um, and from there, then augment the product in certain ways to kind of give even more of that, that hyper-local feel. Um, and as soon as we scoped out those technical requirements, let alone things like content requirements, personnel requirements, operational requirements, it became immediately clear that we were going to have to have operational support um, and you know, basically logistics run out of China as well. We were going to have to support a hyper-localization strategy with the same gusto that we supported you know, our, our core product. And that was the real um, first launch, I think, into another market for the sake of adopting that, or sorry, growing, growing the user base in that market. You know, we have uh, an office in Manila, we have an office in uh, Austin in, in America, but I think China was, was the first market where we said we really need to have boots on the ground, operational presence, so we can, you know, literally build this product and, and make it uh, the product that it needs to be in order to actually deliver value to users. So yeah, it really started with, with rebuilding um, Canva and then deeper hyper-localization from there. 
And what did you find? So apart from just uh, building a .cn site, what else? What else did you have to localize that maybe surprised you in the process? You know, how different is China to the rest of the world when it comes to accessing Canva, which after after all is really a design capability. So many things, you know. But this is one of the reasons I love my job. I think the the first thing I remember being、uh, um, surprised by. Was I had no idea about things like font subsetting. So, font subsetting is essentially、um, a technology that allows、um, a platform to display really big font files、um, in kind of a, a micro, micro kind of a way. Basically, it's called kind of like lazy loading, and you don't have to upload the whole entire font、uh, in order for something like a design to work.、Um, for example, you know, in a a, a Latin script. Font, you might have fifty characters, seventy characters, depending on on what you're doing, right? Considering all punctuation,、um, in fonts for you know Chinese, Japanese, and Korean, there's thousands of characters. It's a pretty big font file, right? So if you have to upload that font file every time you wanted to make a design, in you know especially on your phone, it's a terrible experience. So. We had to rebuild the way that the editor worked in order to allow for something like font subsetting, which I'm like, wow, it's a whole different piece of technology. You know, I, I knew about characters and、um, how diverse linguistic set it was, but that was something that was new.、Um, and how are we going to do that? You know,、um, not only how are we going to rebuild this technology, but how are we going to acquire fonts of that magnitude? So another thing I didn't realize was,、um, you know. Uh, usually, our our kind of approach is to、um, license fonts from different producers, from different、um, foundries,、uh, contributors, stuff like that. Fonts in China, Japan, Korea,、uh, South Korea tend to be incredibly expensive because how massive they are. They take so much time to produce.、Um, I was unaware of that, you know. So how can we actually give again value to users? How can we ensure that they actually have The design components that they need to design on this platform we've just built for them. What's the quickest way to do that? So,、um, we entered into a partnership with Hanyi, which is one of the largest font foundries、um, in China,、uh, and created、um, uh, an arrangement with them based, you know, around around royalties and payments, basically to allow us to enter the market that much more quickly and, and give something、um, to users that they could actually use. Another thing was.、Um, Just the the different kind of digital behaviors of consumers、um, and and how that plays into、um, not just things like e commerce but、um, creation you know design creation in the case of Canva、um, how people kind of interact from one platform to another so perfect example is everyone here would be familiar with WeChat of course. Um, and how much of an ecosystem it is for daily life and digital behavior. There was a huge question around how would Canva integrate with something like、uh, WeChat. You know,、um, how are people going to actually be sharing the designs that they create?、Um, in Western countries, people might be posting to Instagram or、um, to Facebook or whatever.、Um, in China, it's it's WeChat. So we needed to rebuild again parts of the product to make sure that we could. Um, not just integrate with WeChat and people could publish directly to the platforms they needed, but integrate things like you know barcode,、um, not barcode, I'm sorry, QR code recognition、um, to be able to upload and download things via QR code. That wasn't something that the rest of our markets needed. 
so really this this kind of eye-opening um um insight in into how users interact digitally i think that was a, a really big learning experience really fascinating so many yeah. things we kind of take for granted i think as you know things that people do every day might be different overseas and at a, at a broader level, one of the things that I always observe about, you know, Western websites, you know, are generally designed in a fairly low key way with lots of white space with, you know, fairly soft colors, um, not too much going on and, uh, you know, generally understated. In China, everything is the opposite, isn't it? Like very loud, crowded, very bright uh, lots of use of of certain colors. Um, so you probably observe some of that uh, in terms of your users, uh, the very different ways in which they design things. Most definitely, yes. The types of um, not just images, but design elements, we call them. So things like illustrations that they would be putting into designs, the themes around those, um, you know, might be different from the more Western markets as well. So um, one thing that we have done to um, I guess hyper-localize our operations in the market is we're focusing right now on, on building a massive design hub there uh, in China too. We've, we've always had a design team, but we've realized how, um, how much hyper-local design and local design ingredients are going to be a critical you know, component to, to growth and usage in the market. And so operationally, we're addressing that um, by yeah, creating a, um, we're looking to establish a big design hub in Wuhan actually next year, which I'm pretty excited about um, to make sure that these uh, elements are always available for users. Um, you know, our dot-com elements, uh, while they're amazing, they're not just gonna cut it, you know, for what the China market needs. The taste aesthetics are very different. And going back to the fonts piece as well, um, in markets like China, Japan, you know, North and South Korea, um, fonts and, and, and scripts become such a design element themselves. You know, this is why it's so important that we have these pieces in place They, you know, a, a font, um, a character, a glyph can be the entire design uh, in some cases, right? So making sure that we um, are really addressing these pieces. Gosh, well, certainly that's, uh, that's very interesting from a technical perspective. So from the operational side, how many people do you now employ in China? And how, how has that changed the way you manage the business in terms of having to manage a local team on the ground in China? Our team in China is growing so quickly <laughs> that my, I, I worry that this latest number is going to be incorrect, but I think we have around 70 people right now in China, um, majority of which are in Beijing, um, but uh, distributed um, in different places in China as well. Um, and yeah, it's, 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 it's a huge part uh, of our plans for the next several years. So I mentioned that design hub earlier, the longer term goal is for them to help service a lot of the other APAC markets that we're focusing on as well from a design perspective and to have that kind of run out of um, the China hub too. Um, as far as kind of, you know, working uh, with teams across both Sydney, you know, and Manila, frankly, and China as well, it's been a bit of a learning process. I think we've kind of, run the whole gamut from like, you know, uh, completely different but parallel operational units to kind of a more hub and spoke model to kind of a more transnational model. Um, and I think that the, the hub and spoke model is is really where the sweet, hot, sweet spot has been for us because um, we have the benefit of having a global strategy that's being run out of Sydney um, and alignment that comes with that. Whilst 
um, giving the coaching, um, not so much mentorship, but just really a, alignment um, uh, from Sydney to China saying, hey, this is the global kind of strategy, do your thing, but it should fall within this larger umbrella strategy. And having that kind of two-way go-between has been really incredible. Um, and I think it's, again, critical, going back to this hyper-localization buzzword, um, you, you really can't uh, apply the same global strategy to China. So there needs to be a level of autonomy there. However, there are um, scales of economy um, to be had when you're operating in a hub and spoke model and, and things are a bit more centralized out of Sydney. Yes, because this is certainly an area where foreign companies get unstuck in China is this problem of maintaining a kind of global vision and a, a global culture and a way of doing things. And yet, except that the local company in China needs to be run by the locals, uh, yeah. which is in a very different environment with a very different culture. So are you are you able are you find it easy to manage your team on the ground in China and give them enough enough freedom to express themselves locally and yet still follow the Canva global vision? Definitely. And David, it comes down to trust, I think, is building that trust, that rapport, that understanding and, you know, again, collaboration, not to keep using buzzwords, but that's really it. Um, and how do you do that? Well, yeah, no, the, the vision needs to be bought into both ways, you know, and, um, I think that just the uh, us evangelizing what localization is and what that means and different versions of localization, whether it's hyper-localization or just plain translation or whatever from within my team, I think helps the, the broader global team to understand the importance of um, where we do need to go hyper-local and how that actually translates, so to speak, um, into a growth strategy. And at the end of the day, the numbers end up speaking for themselves. I have found it almost unilaterally true that users engage with a localized product that has been at least somewhat slightly tailored to their market and for them than they do with you know, a product that in our case would be just in English. And so to what degree um, is, is usually the question. Um, but I think that, you know, we continue to look to um, other SaaS companies as well to see um, what they've done um, and, and what worked, what has worked and what hasn't. You know, I think that there are a lot of lessons to be learned from, um, you know, the Ubers of, of the world and, um, uh, you know, really being cautious of, of what challenges might be, might present themselves in the process. Um and navigating it accordingly the best they can. But yeah, I think it all comes back to really, um, you know, um, trust, um, this kind of co-evangelization and just, you know, making making space for being a, a truly localized product, which to to Mel and Cliff and Cameron, um, our, our three co-founders to, to their credit has always been at the forefront of Canva's mission is democratizing design. So as long as we stick by that, you know, um, as a company, I, I think we're in a pretty good place. Brilliant. So um, I often think that if a if a company goes international, for, particularly from a relatively small market like Australia, and they go into China, they should be thinking that China would become bigger than certainly their Australian business, but possibly bigger than many of their other mm -hmm. uh, inter international locations as well. So how, where does China fit into the to the vision for uh, Canva for your investors, for your management team, and and for your uh, you know longer term vision. 
Yeah, no, China, China is a huge part of our longer term vision. I think that we have baked the difficulty and um, I guess, how can I put this? The long, it is in fact a long-term vision piece, China. And I think we've baked that into the company's overall strategy, knowing that this is not going to be an overnight project. This is going to be digging our heels in and, and really be, you know, a, a decades-long thing. Um, and our, uh, our you know, investors understand that, our teams understand that. Um, I think having having really gone into China, I would say quite early on in, in Canvas story um, is an advantage um, as it gives us room to grow the China market and, and bake in learnings that we're, you know, having on a, a global level as well, rather than establishing this massive, you know, company with tens of thousands of people and then saying, right, pivot to China. I think that would be infinitely more difficult than kind of, again, baking that in um, as a long-term need to win, which we did. Great. So would you have any advice or uh, learnings or experience you could pass on to other tech companies, particularly uh, who are scaling up and coming behind you into China, potentially not competition, but certainly with a technology focus. Do you have any, any advice for a startup who's uh, much earlier in the process? I would say um, learn, learn from other companies' mistakes. Um, I know that sounds a bit macabre, but I think that there's a lot of information and a lot of experience and a lot of research, especially in the SaaS um, space that people can learn from. Um, I mean, of course I am biased, but I think it goes that saying that hyper-localization is going to be necessary. And again, that might be on a product level, an operational level, um, and in our case on the design level, um, but just know that you're going to have to do things differently. There's just no way around it. It really, the question is to what degree. Um, and the last thing I would say probably is keep an eye on what copycats are doing. So China is infamous for copycats of any SaaS product, frankly, of any product ever. Um, copycats bringing up, we have several in China alone. Um, you know, the um, companies often, often have um, the ability to scale into um, or tap into uh, a local workforce quickly. Um, buildings in a really agile way that needs to be China only, right? Whereas, you know, when we're looking at Canva, we're supporting almost 200 countries at once. Um, so that's not necessarily a bad thing, but watch competitors to see what they're doing because they will be a wonderful indicator as to how you need to be servicing users' needs locally. They're going to do the things that you forgot to do uh, because they're local and they know better. So keep an eye on them. And is there anything that you would wish you could go back and do again if, and do it differently if you had the chance? Is there, is there one thing that you wish you could say, I wish I'd done that better or wish we'd done that earlier or faster or in a different way? Anything that springs to mind? Um, if anything, I would say perhaps more upfront investor with a larger design hub, just knowing that, you know, we are a design product, hyperlocalization within the design um, spaces is, is what we're trying to empower. And so really having, I mean, our design team there is wonderful. I would just multiply them if I could um, more quickly. So I would say that, but, you know, otherwise we've, we've had so many learnings and, and, you know, we've definitely made a few mistakes along the way, but 
I think we needed to, um, to, to kind of better understand how we need to operate in the market. Well, it sounds to me like you're in a really good place to uh, expand now into, uh, and, and broaden out your China business. And uh, it's a great example of China's success. Fantastic to have you on the podcast, Rachel. Thanks very much for being here and best of luck. And I hope we can bring you back in a year or two and hear even more success from you. I look forward to it. Thank you so much, David. Thank you, Rachel. And thanks everyone for being on the China Success Podcast. Hope you've enjoyed this uh, chat we've just had with Rachel of Canva and I look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now.